hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from your tech. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 134. Thanks to the good people at Netgear and Optus. Optus, my plan. We'll tell you more about them shortly. Joining me, Trevor Long, each and every week. Uh, from techguide.com.au. Stephen Fennick, g'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. Uh, how are you going? We're uh, a, a podcast with a difference this week, which we'll explain in a moment. Opposite, opposite ends of the world, uh, but still lots to talk about here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, mate, you're right. Um, we are sitting. Um, we, well, we're not always sitting side by side when we do the show. We've done it um, over Skype many, many times. But um, if people are wondering about the quality of the line and where we are, I'm I'm in Singapore. You're in New York, mate. So um, literally, other side of the world um, for both of us today. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm in New York. I arrived yesterday. I'm here for a Bose event. Bose, the audio company. Uh, funny thing is, though, that the uh, event is tomorrow my time, and we, I, we don't know what it is yet. So that there is an event that's going to happen in a, a private home here in New York. Uh, so my suspicion is it's got something to do with wireless audio, maybe a multi-room system. I could be wrong. That's my suspicion. Uh, but we'll find out tomorrow, and uh, and all my tech guide readers will find out at the same time as well. And uh... I'm in Singapore with um, with HTC uh, tomorrow. A uh, group of journo's and bloggers and, and the like from around um, the Asia Pacific will be um, just having a bit of a roundtable. I, I believe I have no idea, but um, I understand that we'll have a bit of a roundtable with some HTC execs, talk about life, the company, and um, and possibly hear about a new device which we'll be able to talk about in a few weeks. So it is pretty. It's 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 an interesting. Um, Time of time of year as we lead up to Christmas, so much going on. I tell you what, um, what's interesting to me um, is I was chatting with some guys tonight, mate, that um, that run. It's kind of it's it was funny. It was kind of like you and me, but in India, and uh, and these guys, uh, <laughs> the Indian blokes talking tech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they, they they run their website, and one of them, I was just saying, oh, so what sort of traffic do you get, mate? Twenty four million people. Uh, went to wow. a website in June. I said, mate, that's like the whole of Australia going to a <laughs> website in one month. So um, it kind of puts in perspective uh, what we do each and every month. But you can see that you know technology is a really important part of um, and part of everyone's lives now. And and what we do is 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 the same thing that's been done around the world in terms of bringing people the latest and helping people with this minefield of technology. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah. Well, shout out to all our Indian listeners. Please tell all your friends if, if you are listening. There's a huge audience out there that we would love to be talking to. But, uh, two two bucks talking uh, tech and two bucks talking Urdu, but that's all good. <laughs> Uh, 
All right. Now, I uh, I did have a chance to uh, use and review the Samsung Galaxy Gear smartwatch. Now, this is a product that was introduced uh, last month in IFA. I was over there and had a close look at that. But this was the first time, though, uh, when I got the product to review that I had a chance to actually use it in the field, so to speak. And uh, it, it does... It does connect with the Galaxy Note 3, which is the new smartphone we've already spoken about on the show earlier. But uh, I found it uh, a very handy product to have. It's more a convenience product than anything. I I think that there's still a few bugs to iron out, a few features that are missing that could be possibly introduced. But uh, all in all, I thought it was a step in the right direction and... Obviously, this is a this is a category of technology that we're not going to hear. Uh, this is only the start of it. We're not going to hear the last of it. This is going to be the start of a long road in this wearable area. Well, the rumours are everywhere about the the different devices and the different companies doing it. But I, I read your review at, at TechGuide.com.au, and uh, and I, I guess it's probably exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, you know, very interesting device. Probably left a little bit wanting, um, but certainly um, for the cool kids wanting to be at the front of the class, it's um, it's almost a must-have, don't you think? Absolutely, yeah. Now, I think that, that there are obviously some good points to it, some other areas that can be improved, but just because just, just the sheer size of the screen, it's only a small screen, you've got to remember, it's 1.6-inch screen, uh, and so there's things that you can't do on the smartwatch. Mm. One of them is typing. It's too small to fit a full keyboard, so while you get your message notifications, emails, Facebook, Twitter notifications, all those things to your wrist, you can't simply just type out a response. That screen is just too small. That's where S voice comes into play. So if you receive a message, you can reply, just dictate your reply. When you're happy with it, hit just say send and it'll send it. I, I did that a couple of times. Uh, it, it does suffer a little bit in noisy environments. But the, you know, it, it is though made for other apps, like for example, health apps, well-being apps, because it's literally strapped to your arm. It's a great way to track your steps, your calories burned, your distance traveled, those sort of applications you're going to see a lot more of. There's also the camera on board, which I was surprised by the quality of it. Uh, a, a few people didn't really think, well, do you need a camera on a smartwatch? Uh, a couple of people thought it was a little bit creepy that there's a camera where yes. people might not expect it to be. You know, It's almost like a hidden camera. But um, the quality of the photos are quite good. Uh, I think in terms of the camera, it's, a, it's much easier to take a shot from your wrist rather than having to pull your smartphone out and then, and then get it ready and take a shot. While the quality is not as good using the smartwatch, it's there whenever you need it. That, that was a good uh, an advantage as well. So, yeah, I think, look, a lot, a lot of pluses, but you know what? There's still uh, some things that would be nice to have on it, but I think cracking that younger market who don't wear smartwatches is going to be difficult. I think if you're a gadget lover and an early adopter, this is going to be something that a lot of people are going to rush out and buy just because to say they've got it. But I think yeah. once they to crack the wider market, there's going to have to be a few more refinements and improvements. And I think we've and we've we've discussed this several several times. Um, you know that that wider market is is a tough nut to crack, especially as you say with the the younger generation who aren't really wearing watches. And this thing is is very um, well designed. It's not it's not ridiculously ugly, but it is a big bulky thing um, that really doesn't. I mean, I just look at it. And I just don't know that it adds a whole lot to the experience um you know i noticed also you've really got to be using um you know the built-in 
apps for, like if you're using gmail for example you know you can't be using the gmail app it just comes up with a notification you can't actually read emails through the gmail app you have to have, to have the have to have them coming through you know the default email app and different things yeah. like that i think there's a little bit of work to do yet in that area i think a little bit yeah it's very samsung uh centric uh device so it only works with the note 3 i think it's going to also have compatibility with the galaxy s4 the galaxy s3 the note to so the Samsung family of products, but I think Samsung being Samsung, they wanted to be one of the first companies out with this. Exactly. I think they definitely wanted to beat they wanted to beat Apple to the punch as well. Apple, there's been very strong rumours that there's an iWatch uh, in development, so we 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 stand by to hear about that. Uh, Sony have already got uh, their smartwatch in the market, but uh, now I think this is sort of the first real consumer popular version of a device of this kind, that wearable technology that I think we're going to see a lot more of in the future. And if you want to have a good look at the Samsung Galaxy Gear smartwatch, um, as Stephen said, he's uh, he's done a full review. He's got it on his his wrist. You can see the hand model shots there at techguide.com.au. The two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And we do it each and every week. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. And, um, you know, if you've got a dead spot in your home wireless network, Netgear Wireless Range Extenders improve wireless coverage to eliminate dead zones in your home network. Range Extenders ensure a reliable connection and expand the coverage area for your wireless network. And the, the Range Extenders from Netgear come in a range of different um, different styles. They've got they've got ones you plug into a PowerPoint and they just sit like a, a large double adapter there. You've got ones that look like a modem router that, that extend the network across your home. There's a whole range of different uh, different varieties um, all available from Netgear uh, to suit your needs. So if you've got a, a reasonable floor plan home and that, that little home office or, or the bedroom bound in the back corner just not getting the, the internet connection you'd like to have, put a Range Extender in the middle of the of the house and you'll get that network right out into the corner and you can check out those products at netgear.com.au And it's interesting to note Trevor that Telstra have announced that it's actually the second birthday of the 4G network hasn't that gone quick two years you know that's flown by Blimey. I mean, it's funny when you think about it too because it's it's really only the last year or so you think about 4G given that Optus and Vodafone come into it but you know Telstra debuted it with the um, with the kind of the dongle um, on your laptop and and you know it it has been two years and I just I looked at that when I saw the release this week and I went Bloody hell, two years. That's gone so fast. I think it's they're, they're, what they've done to mark the second anniversary, they've actually switched on their 2,500th 4G base station in the New South Wales country town of Young. But it doesn't oh, stop there. What, I was down there. To, <laughs> there you go. You might have been there. You could have been there for the switch on. But uh, what they're saying, though, is that they're building at a rate of 100 new 4G base station sites per week. What? And on that pace... They're on track to have another 1,000 4G base stations deployed in time for Christmas to take 4G coverage uh, for Australia to 85% of the population, which I think uh, sort of takes it uh, far and far and away ahead of the other of their competitors. And and that again, that that's where Telstra have the advantage here. If you're looking for coverage, then you know Telstra have always been the network to to be with um you know whether it was for you know people that looking for coverage on the road between towns where you know where optus and vodafone's networks maybe don't extend and now what they're doing with the 4g network and we talked about this when they announced the 85 percent target um you know this is their thing they want to say that if you like your 4g and 
you drive to Young and uh, you happen to be down there for the Cherry Festival or something, well, hey, you can get yourself 4G coverage. Um, you know, it's not just limited to the big cities, which it Absolutely. You know, predominantly is for the other guys. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a big milestone achievement. Absolutely right. And, and look, and, and the proof's in the pudding, as they say. They've, they've got so many customers now. They're saying that they've got more than 3.2 million 4G devices on their network. Uh, and, and nearly a million of those, are, sorry, nearly 100,000 of those are smartphones. Mm. So you, you, it just goes to show that the people are really embracing this faster network, mainly through their USB internet connectivity on the go. But also, it, it's going to be hard at one point to not buy a 4G smartphone nowadays. Every second smartphone now coming out seems to have 4G connectivity, and there's obviously going to be a time where they're going to be all 4G. So it's really uh, in Telstra's best interest to maintain the strength of that network so that eventually when most of the network is, most of their customers are on 4G, they'll be able to handle it. And, you know, uh, just to give some um some some credibility to to the conversations that we have with with other people. I was talking to these uh, some of the people from around the Asia Pacific area, and again the the guys from India are saying, "What's the network like in India?" And it's a billion people in India, right? Pretty dense um, um, population base as well. It's not like Australia where it's all you know built out over wide areas like Young, you know, which is a you know four hour drive from Sydney. You know, they, they, they struggle to get three G in India now. We have an amazingly strong 4G network in metro areas across three carriers. And then you add to that this robust and vast network that, that stretches across Australia. We're pretty lucky, don't you think, mate? Absolutely right. I think, uh, you know, that Australia, I remember when the Telstra network, I remember back when Next G was launched. This is, we're talking back in 2006 here. And Ericsson was the company that actually built and deployed the network. You know, they did it uh, in less than a year. And I remember attending the the Mobile World Congress that were early in 2007 and Telstra's Next G network was Ericsson's badge of honour. They were telling the world about this amazing network they'd built down in Australia and obviously Telstra has taken that forward even further and I think they're the envy of the world. You travel to other countries, I'm here in the US, you're over there in Singapore and network coverage, especially 4G coverage is, is nothing like it is in Australia. I think we're very lucky, even here in the States where there's a lot of companies competing in the 4G space and, and they all claim to have good 4G coverage. They're not, I don't think, in the same league as what we've got there in Australia. Yeah, granted, we've got less people and a smaller population and spread over wider distances, but quality, if you sort of match apples for apples, I think we're doing pretty well. And that's, I think, just just to wrap it up, that's my point, is to say that, you know, with the population size that we have, you know, 23 million people is a lot of people, but when you compare us to nearly every other major developed country in the world, um, yes, we're early adopters, yes, we're, we're big takers uh, of technology, but we're very lucky to have the networks and the, and the style of technology coverage that we have. So uh, happy birthday, Telstra 4G. Um, very, um, very big milestone, I think, um, for Australian consumers. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, mate, I, um, I guess very quickly I should declare, of course, uh, my day job um, outside of being one of the two blokes talking tech is, uh, is my role at, at SBS, uh, the national broadcaster. And, um, you know, a bit of news around in the last uh, week around um, kind of the free-to-air networks and their catch-up play. Um, I might quickly talk about Channel 10 and what I've seen there, and you can, you can talk at SBS and I'll chime in. But, you know, Channel 10 have been kind of on the outer when it came to 
catch-up television and, and the rights that were around that. You know, SBS On Demand, ABC iView, even 7 Plus or Plus 7. Um, there have been available ways to watch, you know, uh, content that you that you missed on the television. Well, 10 very quickly um, this week announced and, and started rolling out 10 Play um, as, a, as a brand, as a website, as an app where you can actually catch up on, on Channel 10 content as well. So they've clearly moved strategy. You can see the uh, the change in staff there have had a, has a big impact and uh, looking like we're going to get some really great stuff for, for consumers. And that kind of sits alongside some of the stuff from SBS in the, in the last week. It's, it's good for Aussie consumers, I reckon. Absolutely right, Trev. Yeah, and a, a little birdie told me about the SBS On Demand uh, suddenly being available on Android, but uh, more than that, it's exclusive just to Samsung devices. So yet another exclusive for Samsung to go along with their Foxtel Go uh, a- a availability as well. Hmm. The uh, SBS On Demand, as you know, was already available on iOS, but now for the first time on Android, it can be seen on the Galaxy S4, the Galaxy Note 3, the Galaxy Tab 3 tablets, and the Galaxy Note 10.1, and as with other catch-up services, gives you unlimited access to the programs you might have missed across all categories, movies, TV shows, documentaries. It even allows you to play, to create playlists, subscribe to favourite shows, and then you even get a notification when the latest uh, show of, of, of on your playlist is available. So that's a, a handy service that is now available to watch wherever you go, whether you're on Wi-Fi or 3G or 4G. Uh, so you're never, ever going to miss out on your favourite SBS program ever. Yeah, and look, a couple of a couple of quick points about that. You know, really stoked to have SPS on demand on Android, but you know, and there was a couple, and I'm, I'm glad it wasn't ridiculously overwhelming. But there was a couple of narcs talking about the Samsung exclusive. Uh, you know, and the the chief digital officer at SPS, Marshall Hield, um, talked to a couple of journalists about the fact that you know what Samsung actually assisted developing the app, and without that help, uh, the app wouldn't have come to Android when it did. And that's the kind of deal that um, that, that Samsung's able to help with. You know, they've got the bulk of devices in the market, so it's it's a common sense thing as well, but you know. But I think testing, too, just yep. just on that point, Trev. I think you got to remember that iOS devices are all the iOS versions exclusive to Apple. So in terms of being exclusive to one company, that's nothing new in this space. Yeah, but true. when when you talk about when you talk about uh, Android, and I know this is developer myself and you know this yourself developing for android is quite difficult because of the sheer number of devices resolutions screen sizes all of those things so actually limiting yourself to one company in this case samsung it's it almost makes developing for android as easy it is as it is for ios so that you you, you do know exactly what screen size yep. you have to cater for and resolution so you know good on sbs for obviously going after the number one brand in the world like if samsung lead the world in smartphone sales and they're pretty pretty decent in tablet sales as well. So I can see the uh, the method behind their madness there. And I, I for example, um, obviously had access to the app before it launched, and I I, I ran on the Koganagora that, that that we talked about last week, there you and go. it didn't work. And um, and that's that's <laughs> because it needs extra development and it needs to be tested. And um, so people that might want to try and get a hold of it, um, just be be where it might not work. And just quickly, also, um, SBS On Demand launched on Fetch TV. So um, a lot happening in the catch-up space, and uh, certainly a lot more to come over the coming months with uh, free-to-air television in Australia. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. (music) 
And the Two Blokes Talking Tech podcast is brought to you by Netgear and also by Optus My Plan. You can say no to Bill Shock and yes to Optus My Plan, the mobile plan that flexes to help keep your excess fees down. You can visit optus.com.au forward slash my plan for details. It's time to say no, no to unfair excess data charges and yes to saving heaps. Yes to using your phone how you like. Yes to getting your fix of social updates when and wherever you want. It's time to say yes to Optus My Plan. And if you do go over your data limit, it automatically flexes up from as little as $5 to help keep your excess fees down. Plans start from as little as $35 a month with a minimum total cost of $840 over 24 months. Visit optus.com.au forward slash my plan for details. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And recently in Australia, I uh, was lucky enough to meet a gentleman by the name of Ian Rubenstein, who is the founder of a company called Orbotics. Now, this is the company that brought, uh, invented a product called the Sphero 2.0. Now, Sphero, Sphere, so it gives you an idea what I'm talking about here. It's a ball-shaped robot. It's about the size of a baseball. I'm seeing this at, at CES in Vegas two years ago when it was first introduced. Now, this guy, Ian Rubenstein, he's been uh, – grew up loving electronics and robotics and became an electrical engineer and invented this new device. It's a toy. It's a remote control ball. But there are so many uses for this device. It's not. It's more than what it seems. I think it's something that will appeal to all ages, not only for you yourself, Trev, but also for your kids. Yeah, right. So – I'm looking at it, and we did. I think we talked about this again at CS because it was being uh, wheeled around and rolled around there. T- tell me about a couple of basic uses that you would um, you'd, you'd run it at. Well, for, first of all, the obvious one is the remote control. So you can download an app and control it from your smartphone or your tablet, and you can just drive it around your house. You can even change the color of it so that the, the, it's built. There's an internal mechanism uh, so that can steer the ball to change the color, even make sounds and different noises. So just as a pure remote control toy, it's a lot of fun. But what what you could also do is create other you you can you can download other apps and use it in different ways. Like you can play golf. There's a golf Sphero app, so you create little courses around your home. You flick it in the right direction, create your course with caps and cups and different hazards. So you create your own golf course. You can there's even a bowling game. There's an augmented reality game. So looking through your iPad, you got to steer the Sphero to knock down or kill these aliens that have that are, that are appearing as augmented reality creatures on the floor in your home. So there's those applications as well. The other thing you can do with it is use it as a remote control. So in your hand, it's a controller for different apps. So you can download gaming apps and use the Sphero as like a 360-degree controller that, that takes advantage of the accelerometers and gyroscopes on board to make gaming that a lot lot more smoother uh, and, and, and even cleaner. So uh, there's that use as well. There's pl- party games where it, it sits on the table, it changes color, and people have to grab it at a certain time, things like that. So more than meets the eye, there's even developer kits where users can actually download the SDK and program it uh, for various uses. There's education uses too, where it's very simple, basic language that young students can learn to control it, create programs for it. So they're having fun while they're learning at the same time. 
weird but cool fun stuff uh, it's called the Sphero 2.0 and you can uh, check it out at techguide.com.au Well, um, telecommunications complaints, gee whiz, don't we talk about this a lot, mate? And, uh, you know, when you look at um, the trend in, in complaints, I guess we did have a bit of a, a peak, a spike, um, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, when uh, Vodafone was going through its, its many, many woes. Um, you know, 40,000, a little bit over 40,000 um, telecommunication industry ombudsman replaint, complaints were recorded between January and March this year. Um, which is a bucket load. And I guess one of the things that ACAN, the Australian Consumer Action Network, um, ha- have pointed out is that this is a whole stack more than other, other sectors, like, for example, the financial services sector. So what, um, what they're calling for at ACAN is um, they're calling for, for actual targets to be set. They're calling for, for telecommunications companies like Optus and Telstra and Vodafone to actually say, we're going to reduce the number of complaints about our, our company, about our service, uh-huh. you know, by a certain amount. I, I think that's a great idea, and I think it's something we should we should be supporting. Absolutely right. And that figure you mentioned, that more than 40,000 complaints, is actually down on what it used to be. So you can imagine how much worse it was than that. And what, what, the, what ACAN is doing is asking for companies like Telstra, Vodafone and Optus to rather than wait for government regulators to come in and say, right, you have to do this and force them to change, they want the telcos to take it upon themselves to reduce those complaints by setting these targets. So customer service is a big thing. And one of the things that we talk about a lot, especially when it comes to telecommunications, and I've got to say that based on some surveys here, Australia doesn't score too well in the customer service department when compared to other countries. KPMG did a global customer service survey, and Australia ranked 19 out of 25 countries, and they came in behind countries like Nigeria and Indonesia. So we've so we've got some work to do. We're moving in the right direction, but the, the companies know that it's it's not it's not an overnight thing that you fix. It's something that you work on. Takes yeah. a bit of time, uh, but you know it's good to see that. Look, they've got the customers' needs in mind. I remember I recently sat down with Kevin Russell from Optus, as did you, and he said, "Look, the customer focus really has to improve. Customer service has to improve." He's on record saying that customer service is nowhere near where it should be, and it's up to now now that they've kind of had a bit of a reinvention. Uh, for Optus' sake anyway, they're, they're fine that they're moving in the right direction and making the customer feel special again. And I, the good thing is about this um, report from ACAN is that, you know, both... I mean, they haven't quoted um, Optus and Telstra as a part of the release, but they've they've cited things that they've said in the in the general media. So, as you said, Kevin Russell talked about it. You know how the industry's gone backwards in the last kind of six years or five or six years in how it treats customers. Telstra's David Thody has you know said as as you rightly pointed out that it's a a long road ahead and they're only a short way through it. So, I guess. They acknowledge and they know that customer service is important, but they're just struggling to to know how to how to you know, um, I guess, quantify the, the change required. And all that ACAN's trying to say here is, you know it's a problem. Set a target and try and meet it. And and, and that's that's a respectable thing. So I guess, Absolutely. Mate, you know, we, we just have to wait and see whether or not um, those complaints continue to tumble. And more importantly, whether the companies are uh, willing to put up 
um, uh, you know, put up, shut up kind of thing in terms of actually bringing those numbers down. So uh, if you're uh, people that have their problems, they know they've got to go to the telecommunications industry ombudsman. That's a well-known thing. So it's a matter of bringing those numbers down. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Interesting new product being unveiled, a rumoured product that, uh, that The Verge has actually got hold of, that the, the US site. It's actually a Galaxy Round. It's called the Galaxy Round, and as its name suggests, it's got a curved OLED display. This now, goes with your Sphero. Well, <laughs> this curly phone, I think, well, it suits me because I, I carry my phone in my back pocket, and... The uh, the shape of my posterior isn't exactly flat like the phone. Let's just say that, okay? <laughs> Having a rounder phone really helps it sit there in that position nicely. Not that that's why it was designed. No. I think they made it so that it sits in your hand a little bit better. But I just think Samsung are just showing off here a little bit. They're saying, look what we can do. Yeah. Look what we can make. Check it out. This thing um, is, is apparently going to launch in, in Korea. And look, to, to, to kind of paint the picture that for people that haven't seen, seen the photos, think of these curved OLED TVs that we've talked about recently. You know, you've got to you look at it front on and the edges curve into you. Well, that's what they've done with this phone. Now, it's not a dramatic curve, but it's enough that when you sit it on a, on a table, it will kind of wobble if you touch it. Now, one of the features of that is the roll effect where it's sitting on the table. Um, and it's off, for example, and you, you press one edge and roll it forward and, and up will appear the, the, the clock, the battery status and, and different alerts and things. So, you know, again, I, I'm with you 100 percent. This is um, this is just showing off. <laughs> um, it's, it's their way of saying we can do this. Um, there's a lot of talk about curved or bendable displays. Now, this is certainly not bendable. It is simply curved. But when I say simply, I mean, it's, it's not that long ago that the idea of a curved display was radical. So I guess it's Absolutely. not a bad piece of technology to prove that they can do, is it? What they should have done, like you, you think of the curved display. At the top of the show, we were talking about the smartwatch. Now, imagine if they made a curved screen that curves around your wrist. You know, are we seeing maybe the precursor to Galaxy Gear 2.0 here with a curved OLED display? And it may, may even be allowed you to make a, a longer, wider screen that curves around your wrist rather than being a flat square on your wrist. So there's a bit of food for thought. That, to me, is, um, is, is spot on the money, whether it's a 2.0 or what year it'll be, but it sounds to me like that's the way we need to go with these curved displays. So interesting stuff. The Galaxy Round is apparently what it'll be called from Samsung, um, and we'll have details on that. I, I, I doubt it'll even come to Australia. It's probably one of those products they'll release in a, in a small market, run the, run the you know, 10, 20,000 products out or a million, whatever it might be, and uh, just get the, get the publicity for it. But an interesting product nonetheless. Are you listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech? And it is time each and every week we uh, we wrap the show with a couple of great products from uh, from Stephen's review closet. Um, so coming out of the closet today, Stephen, um, <laughs> the, the Moga Pocket Controller. Yeah, well, gaming is something that's very popular for people on the go, especially using their smartphones. But wouldn't it be great if you could take the experience of your console with a physical controller and move that to the mobile space? Well, Moga has done that with the Pocket Controller. This is a device that connects via Bluetooth to Android smartphones. It's even got a clip so that you can actually attach your phone to the controller. It's got your dual analog thumbsticks. You've got your shoulder controls, all your action buttons. So every control that you have 
have when you're playing your console game at home is now with you when you're playing games on your smartphone. Uh-huh. Now, it comes with its own app, so you can download games that have been optimized to run with Moga. Things like first-person shooters, those sort of games, action games that you can't really play very well using a touchscreen interface. It brings those games to your device so that now you can play them on the go and enjoy them as if you're having a console experience. The Moga controller is only $59 and available now at EB Games. That's one heck of an app accessory. M-O-G-A, Moga Pocket Controller. Check it out at techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And uh, another one from our mate Ruslan Kogan, the Kogan HDMI TV dongle, the uh, smart TV enabler. That's right. If you've bought a TV recently that wasn't ha- that didn't happen to be a smart TV, well, you don't have to throw it out. All you need to do is buy this $99 HDMI dongle from Kogan, plug it into one of your HDMI ports, and you've suddenly got a smart TV. It's got a quad-core processor, Wi-Fi connectivity. There's even onboard memory and a micro SD card slot. So not, not only can you play your content on your TV as if it's a smart TV, but the connectivity, the Wi-Fi connectivity can then, uh, running Android 4.2 Jelly Bean, can can make turn your TV into a smart TV so you can access the web, you can download apps uh, and access all this great content without having to go out and buy a brand new TV. The device is quite small. It also comes with an air mouse, so it's a remote control that lets you navigate the web browser and navigate the system. So $99 from Kogan. If you order today, it'll ship on October the 22nd, and it's priced at $99. Well, in the can, another episode of Two Blokes Talking Tech. Next week, I guess, we'll probably be together again, mate. Um, We'll fly (laughs) back from our respective areas of the world. Um, I'll have had more sleep and um, hopefully um, another big show installed. Mate, thanks for the chat and look forward to reading about um, the the news and announcements from Bose over in New York and and all that will be at techguide.com.au, no doubt. Certainly, mate, and I look forward to hearing what you've got to say about the new HTC product or products, whatever they happen to be. So I look forward to talking to you again next week. Here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.